0: Funding for Igeret Hachuva*, the Epistle on Repentance, is provided by Isaac, son of Devorah Mindel. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text, elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: By Divine Providence tonight is Pesach Sheini, which is connected to the, the theme that we're learning about, the Teshuvah. The first Pesach represents the tzaddik, the perfect one, innocence, purity, versus Pesach Sheini represents the idea of Teshuvah, that it's never too late. You always get a second chance. And even a Jew who's been impure and distant and alienated and even if you're impure alienated by your own choice and nevertheless Hashem gives us, always gives us a second chance which explains the difference between the first Pesach and the second Pesach, first Pesach you're not allowed to even have a crumb of bread in your house the second Pesach Even the Jew who's offering the second Pesach can have bread in his house. He's eating matzah. He's offering the Paschal lamb. He's eating the Paschal lamb and he has bread in his house. The first Pesach, seven days. The holiday biblically in Israel, seven days. Pesach Sheni, it's one day. Why the differences between the two? Because that's a difference in the tzaddik and the Balchruva. The Tzaddik, is the pure child, innocent child. And once he starts growing up, you have to start educating him. And it's a process. It's a seven-day process. Nothing happens in the moment. Nothing is instant. Even instant coffee is not okay. instant. Everything takes time until it's processed, till it's developed. So it's a seven-day process until you develop the child. And the child starts out innocently. You protect the child. You shield the child. You don't expose them to negativity. You protect them. When they grow up, they'll be able to deal with it. But when they're young, you have to protect and shield. Pesel Sheni, however, represents the baltruva. The baltruva, the moment of the tshuva, as we're going to learn soon, in this chapter, the moment of tshuva is really a moment. It's a split second. You know, how far is east from west? You turn around. You just turn around. You don't have to go anywhere. Teshuvah means to return. You just have to reconnect. You have to come home to a place you never left. Teshuvah happens in one split second. You have a change of heart and you turn your whole life around. 180 degrees in one split second. So, Pay Sakshain is one day. One moment. That's all it takes. And the difference in the tzaddik and the baltruvah, the tzaddik is innocent. And that's how you raise your child. The child shouldn't stumble, the child shouldn't be exposed to anything negative. The baltruvah, however, has been there. He lost his innocence. He already stumbled, he had a breakdown so there's no going back there's no pretending that he didn't experience what he experienced but therefore the baltruva is stronger than the tzaddik because the tzaddik was never exposed so the tzaddik was never tested we don't know what's going to happen once the tzaddik is tested he can lose everything the baltruva has been there, has been tested and after the break, breakdown there's been a breakthrough he, he's come back, so he's stronger that's why the baltruva can have the bread in the house with the mat, because he's not afraid of it he can handle it he can deal with it because he was there so Pesach Sheni, the theme of Pesach Shaini is Teshuvah and that's the theme of the, the Tanya the third part of the Tanya you get it at Teshuvah and um, this is a part of the Tanya that in the 60s Rebbe really for a few years many fabrengans studied studied it in public taught it explained it more than any other part of the Tatan. and this was during the 60s when the whole renaissance of teshuva the whole baltruva movement started this is the theme of our generation Teshuvah. so this is the whole impetus Teshuvah, the whole impetus which started here in New York and more particularly in Brooklyn, more particularly in Crown Heights, <laughs> and more particularly in 770, which created a whole renaissance of Shuvah Today, you have hundreds of thousands of Jews all over the world that have come home. That whole revolution, that whole renaissance, was generated from that, from from the Rebbe. And this is this was the whole impetus, you know, the Rebbe by learning and teaching the letter of the Shuvah the Alter Rebbe. This is what generated the whole revolution unprecedented in Jewish history unique in Jewish history our generation which is a generation of teshuva so to really appreciate and understand the time that we're living in and the special energy and potential that we have today to understand the phenomenon of our generation one has to study the letter of Teshuvah, the third part of the Tanya with Alter Rebbe. which Alter Rebbe started out we started last week That starts out with Tanya we learned Nebraisa although that's not the prevalent um, version that we have, but Dr. Rebbe chose this version because it's part of the Tanya, just like this opening of the Tanya. The first part of the Tanya starts with the Tanya. This is also very much a part of the Tanya, and he starts out with the, at the end of tractate Yoma, the Braitha states that there are three types of forgiveness. Three different types of forgiveness. If a person violated a positive commandment, he committed a sin of omission, he did not fulfill a mitzvah, he didn't read the shema, then he does the shuvah, and he doesn't move before he's forgiven. On the spot, he's forgiven. If, however, a Jew sinned, a sin of commission, he did a sin, an active sin, he violated the prohibition, then shuvah is not enough, in addition to the shuvah you need Yom Kippur the power of Yom Kippur to achieve a total atonement forgiveness and then if a person violated a a, a very severe sin, what do we call a severe sin? a severe sin means a sin that's accompanied by a death sentence death penalty, whether in the hands of the court the Jewish court or in the hands of Hashem in that case tshuva doesn't help Yom Kippur doesn't help alone it needs in addition it needs pain when a person suffers the suffering is an atonement and that achieves the atonement together with the tshuva and together with Yom Kippur the suffering concludes the forgiveness and what if The sin that was committed was a sin that caused the desecration of Hashem's name, a public humiliation and disgracing of Hashem's name. In that case, tshuva is not enough, repentance is not enough, yom kippur is not enough, pain and suffering is not enough. What achieves the ultimate atonement is death. You know, it's not for nothing that the end of life You know, most cases, many cases. Some people are very fortunate and they just die suddenly and they don't go through any pain. Or, But most cases, they go through pain and then the ultimate atonement is, is death. Death is also an atonement. It's part of an atonement. And that, death atones for the ultimate sin, even the sin of desecrating Hashem's name. Because the person is gone, the person is removed. He's no longer, the ego comes to an end. So you're no longer, so you're forgotten. And then your sin that you cause is also erased. And it's atoned for. And he said there are three types of distinctions. How many did we just count? Four. How do we get three? So there are two explanations. (laughs) one explanation is that Shuvah we don't count to Shuvah because Shuvah you have to have with all of these sins whether it's a positive mitzvah it's a prohibition it's a severe prohibition or it's a desecration of Hashem's name shuva accompanies every single case so when he says that three distinctions we're talking about three distinctions Shuvah is not a distinction Shuvah comes with everything So therefore he doesn't count the violation of a positive mitzvah which shuva alone achieves an atonement because shuva accompanies all sin. The distinction is Yom Kippur, for a sin, a provision, a sin of commission, you need Yom Kippur in addition to shuva. That's one distinction. Second distinction is a severe sin, you need in addition to shuva and Yom Kippur, you need pain and suffering to achieve an atonement. And the third distinction is, in a case of a desecration of Hashem's name, tshuva is not enough, Yom Kippur is not enough, Pain and Suffering is not enough. In addition, you also need death to achieve the ultimate and final atonement. That's one explanation. The Alter Rebbe follows the second explanation, that, no, the three distinctions refer specifically to a positive mitzvah, one who violates a positive mitzvah, a sin of omission, a sin of commission, a negative prohibition, and the third, a sin, a severe sin. And he doesn't include in that count of three, doesn't include the sin of desecrating Hashem's name. Why not? You should say four. There are four types of atonement. And the answer is because the atonement that's achieved through death. Is an atonement for the soul. That has nothing to do with the mitzvah of teshuvah. The mitzvah of teshuvah, like all other mitzvah, mitzvahs were given to live human beings. The obligation to do teshuva is an obligation on a living human being, and a live human being. So that obligation to achieve atonement could only be applied to the first three categories, to a Jew who violated the sin of omission. Who did not, let's say, he didn't read the Shema. A Jew violated the sin of commission, a prohibition, or a Jew violated a severe sin. Because in these three cases, the atonement is achieved while you're alive, so you can fulfill your mitzvah, your obligation to do teshuvah and to achieve an atonement. The mitzvah is on a living person. But in the case when you desecrate Hashem's name, where you cannot achieve atonement while you're alive, you only achieve atonement after your death. So, it's a, so then it's an atonement for the soul. It's a, it's a cleansing for the soul. But it's not part of the mitzvah of teshuvah. the mitzvah of teshuvah is an obligation on a living person so this is not a mitzvah that this person could fulfill while he's alive he achieves an atonement he's not fulfilling a mitzvah he's dead dead people don't fulfill mitzvah his soul achieves an atonement his soul will rest in peace but the person has not while he's alive, he cannot fulfill this mitzvah. The mitzvah of the is you should also fulfill, accomplish an atonement, And he can't do it while he's alive. So therefore, that, that's not included in the three. And the Alter Rebbe, when he started quoting the Braisa, if you violate a sin of omission, he's forgiven immediately. But if you violate a sin of commission, it's only teshuva together, coupled with Yom Kippur, that can achieve an Atonement. So the Alter Rebbe goes off on, a, on a, in a, a paragraph, immediately clarifying that don't make the mistake and think from this. You may come to an erroneous conclusion. Based on this, you may conclude that which is stricter, which is more important, a positive mitzvah or a prohibition? based on this brise based on what we just learned that to achieve an atonement for violating a positive mitzvah the atonement is achieved instantly while to achieve an atonement for doing a sin that you need Yom Kippur so which one is stricter which one is, is weighs more, is weightier no, a positive mitzvah or a prohibition, prohibition. A, negative mitzvah. a prohibition the Altar Rebbe says absolutely not Don't come to that conclusion It's the erroneous conclusion The proof is The Talmud says We have a rule Let's say you have a conflict You have a positive mitzvah You have an obligation To wear tzitzis Biblical obligation of tzitzis We don't have it today But the biblical obligation of tzitzis Is to wear a blue thread of wool So if a person has he's wearing clothes that are made up of linen a four-cornered garment made of linen he has a positive commandment to put in tzitzis including a thread made of wool. And the other hand we have a prohibition you're not allowed to mix wool and linen. So what do you do? Which takes precedence? Does the positive mitzvah take precedence? Or does the prohibition take precedence? So there's a rule in the Torah. The positive overrides the prohibition. Put on the So what do we see from that? Which is weightier? Which has more uh, gravitas or whatever it's called? The positive. positive. So how do you reconcile with this right? If we see from that that the positive is weightier, the positive is more important. And if you have a choice, a conflict the positive overrides the negative so why is it when it comes to tshuva, you need two the The positive, no big deal, you do tshuva you're instantly forgiven when it comes to prohibition (coughs) no, not so fast you did tshuva, but it's not enough we have to wait for Yom Kippur and there are also other distinctions it says when it comes to a prohibition the the tshuva is incomplete until you test it what do you mean you test it? that God gives you the same situation you put in the same situation and let's see how you react if you're put in the same situation you react differently then we know that the truth is sincere example a person who's young and, and he's wild, he's reckless, a playboy and then when he's 99 years old he decides to do the it's not the same <laughs> you're not in the same position you're not in the same but let's say you're, you're, in, the, you're in your youth in the same heat in the same position to sin and then you walk away from it because it's wrong, not because anyone's going to know about it, because God said no and therefore you walk away from it, that's the ultimate level of teshuvah. So when you violate a prohibition, it has to be, you're tested. The teshuvah is not complete, incomplete until let's test you, if you're put in the same position. When it comes to a positive mitzvah, there's no such condition. You're instantly forgiven. No strings attached. So it would seem that the positive seems much lighter. From the prohibition and yet here we have a contradiction here we see that the positive overrides the prohibition yes
2: you were saying about Yom Kippur and the extra uh, praying uh, so the power in that uh, holiday so I was just wondering if everyone's praying
1: for the uh, children are people that are born on Yom Kippur does that soul have more potential power or oh for power? sure a soul that's born in Yom Kippur is a very holy soul Oy. and then what happens if you sin it's worse than anybody else it's like anything else the holier you are the more potential you are, the greater the potential, of course. The downside is, the greater the potential for good. If you don't live up to that potential, the damage that you do is also greater. It's always that way. If you wear a white clothes, a smallest stain will show up. If you wear a black suit, even a ketchup stain won't show up. If you wear a silk linen, the smallest thing will show up. Obviously, the greater the person, the greater the more effect. Everything they do has a much greater effect. Of course. But, so the Alter Rebbe says, it's not a contradiction. The truth is that a positive mitzvah is much more important and much stricter and weighs much more than a negative mitzvah. You know, we live in the world of action. We were created to do, to act. That is the purpose of our soul coming into this world. We're created to act. And the purpose is to do. So, although whenever you fulfill a prohibition, it's also counted like a mitzvah. It says if a person was tempted, you know, a thief who doesn't have the opportunity to steal thinks he's honest. That's not called fulfilling a prohibition. You fulfill a negative prohibition when you're tempted to steal. You could steal. You could get away with it. You think you could. And you don't, because Hashem says, don't steal. So if a person overcomes a temptation, a test to do something wrong, and he overcomes it, he, he, he accomplishes something. It's not just nothing happened. Something tremendous happened. You draw down holiness into this world by, by resisting temptation and overcoming the prohibition and finding the inner strength to say no. You draw down a great, a great light. But nevertheless, you can't compare it to action. There's nothing like action. You can't compare the drawing down of light by not doing something versus the drawing down of holiness and godliness and light by doing something, by lighting a candle. You're doing something. You're drawing, you're drawing light into this world. You're bringing it down into this world. And that's the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose is to bring godliness into this world. When you do Hashem's will, you bring godliness into this world. You're bringing the divine into this world. By being Hashem's agent and fulfilling, doing exactly as He wishes you to do and doing the mitzvah exactly as it's spelled out in the Torah, precisely. Exactly the Torah. Hashem wants you to do it. That's Hashem's communication. That's Hashem's vehicle through which you're bringing God into this world. So if you did the mitzvah, you brought God into this world. If you didn't do the mitzvah, You blew it. You lost the opportunity. And there's nothing that can make up for it. There's nothing you can do. As he says, you miss Shema one time. Even though you do Teshuvah. And you take it upon yourself that for the rest of your life you're going to read Shema every morning and every night. And you faithfully follow your resolution. You can't make up for that one time you missed the Shema. There's no making up for it. But I'm so sincere. No one is doubting your sincerity. But from now on, I'm perfect. Wonderful. But that morning, you did not fulfill Hashem's will. You did not draw down the divine light. There's nothing you can do to make up for it. Because this is divine. Your sincerity can't make up for the mitzvah. The mitzvah is divine. You, as sincere as you are, you're human. You're human. By doing a mitzvah you bring Hashem into this world and that morning you did not do Hashem's will you missed that opportunity there's nothing you can do to make up for it there's nothing a human being could do to make up for it as it says it's something you can't fix the Talmud says if you did not do the mitzvah you didn't do the mitzvah it wasn't my fault I regret it it's all beautiful bottom line is you didn't do the mitzvah you didn't do what Hashem wanted you to do so there's nothing we can do and that explains what the Talmud is saying in attracted human. The Talmud is saying, if a person violated the prohibition, if a person violated the sin of omission, didn't do a positive mitzvah, so he does shuvah. But shuvah cannot help you to make up for the mitzvah that you lost. You missed the boat, the boat left, the train left, you're out. But you're crying, oh, I'm sorry I missed the vo-. I'm sorry, it's very nice, but you missed the vote. There's nothing you can do. So therefore. Shuvah won't help. With Yom Kippur it won't help you. It doesn't help. There's nothing you can do to make up for it. That's lost. That's finished. But nevertheless, you have to do Teshuvah. Not to f- fulfill the mitzvah. The mitzvah is lost. The mitzvah you lost you can't make up that. but what you, you do have to do is you have to do teshuvah because you there's a defect in you the fact that you omitted that you violated Hashem's command Hashem ordered you to do a mitzvah and you flagrantly violated you're like a deserter. you're a soldier Hashem told you. Hashem is your commander-in-chief. you got a a direct order. Here, do this. And you went AWOL. You decided not to do it. So for you having violated and rebelled against Hashem, for that you have to do Teshuvah. It's not about making up for the mitzvah. The mitzvah you lost. Teshuvah won't help. Yom Kippur won't help. There's nothing you can do. You've lost that opportunity. But you have to do teshuvah to fix you. Your whole attitude. You need an attitude adjustment. How could you so flagrantly violate Hashem's direct commandment? Very clear, black and white. Your commander-in-chief, the king is commanding you. I need you to do this now. He calls you in. Did you do what I asked you? No, I didn't feel like it. What kind, of, what kind of servant are you? What kind of soldier are you? I can, can you imagine if you were in the soldier? Well, such an attitude, they would court martial you. Well, okay. You're a soldier. What, what do you mean? You, I didn't feel like it, it wasn't the mood. Well, the master tells you, you do it. So for that, you have to do teshuvah. For that, tshuvah helps instantly. If it's about you, so having the moment you have a change of heart, and you say, Hashem, I'm, I'm yours, from now on I'm going to be a faithful, loyal servant and soldier, and you can count on me, and when you tell me to do something, I feel obligated to do it, and I'll do it. The moment you take it upon yourself, the moment you change and you decide it, your shuvah is accepted. You don't move from there until you're forgiven. That shuvah helps instantly. But if you do a sin of commission, you actually did something wrong. When you do something wrong, don't forget it's action. You've also drawn down impurity into this world. You've done damage. When you do a sin, you do damage. you hurt. You hurt yourself. You wounded yourself. You caused yourself to bleed. The 365 prohibitions correspond to 365 veins in the body. It's like cutting a, v- a vein open and the blood starts to. B- life blood, your life source starts bleeding out. You've done damage. So it's not just fixing you. You have to, you have to repair, you have to, you have to heal the wound, you have to do something to fix, to repair what you've damaged. Not only have you damaged yourself and your soul, you have damaged the divine. You have damaged all the upper worlds, the higher realms. You have damaged the whole universe. You are a microcosm of the whole universe. The whole universe is in your heart, is in your hands. So when we do something wrong, we tear, we have torn the very fabric of the whole universe. We've achieved, we've done damage. We've created a scar, an emotional scar, a psychological scar. That's why a Jew is so agitated. Why a Jew is so agitated? A Jew is so guilt-ridden because when we sin we're not happy Jews are the most unhappiest people in the world most miserable, angriest, <laughs> angriest people in the world because you can cover up in your sin you can delude yourself that you like sinning and you enjoy it and until and it becomes a philosophy and you become uh, you know you're free and, and you become a crusader for sin and for certain lifestyles but you know who are you kidding inside you're torn up inside you're self-destructing you're harming yourself you're putting your hand into into fire. You're jumping into fire. No matter you can delude yourself, you can delude everyone around you, but you, you can't walk away from the truth. And that's why Jews are so agitated and the Jews are so angry because you're creating damage. You're inflicting damage on yourself. And you can't be happy. And you never will be happy. Because how could you be happy if you're destroying yourself inside? You're tearing yourself up inside. So you've created damage. You have to undo the damage. To achieve atonement, it's not enough to say okay God I'm your soldier I'm loyal from now on I'm going to listen very nice but what about all the damage and the destruction that you've all the havoc that you've wreaked I'm confused join the crowd if the <laughs> if if it's a positive misdome yes you put on the film, yes and you don't put on the yes. film, that's not commission that's omish omish exactly sin of omish and there's nothing you can do to make up for that so then why is that different from, from, from violating a sin of, of a no. negative prohibition? Because when you violate a negative prohibition, you've taken an action. Right. And you've created damage. Right. Here, you haven't done the mitzvah. So I did not draw down this light. I didn't do any damage. I just right. lost that opportunity. And that opportunity is lost. And Shiva won't help me. And Yom Kippur won't help me. There's nothing I can do. But here, I've done damage. In addition to disobeying God, In addition to rebelling against my master and my king... and In addition to all of that... Besides the personal defect... I've created havoc... I've wreaked havoc... I've created destruction... I've damaged... I've scarred... I've wounded... maimed... So you have to heal it... You have to make up for it... So for that... You have to repair... For that... You need Tshuva... You need Yom Kippur... And if it's a severe sin... That alone is not enough... You also need pain and suffering... And if it's a sin that involves desecration of Hashem's name... Even that is not enough... It's only death that achieves in the topic.
0: When you mean pain and suffering, is that that's inflicted by Hashem? Or you can say, okay, I'm going to fast, I'm going to do this, I'm going to inflict on myself. Very good.
1: You're jumping ahead of yourself. That we're going to learn later on in the chapter, at the end of the chapter. This explains why it's no contradiction whatsoever. It's clear that the mitzvah, the positive mitzvah, is much weightier. It takes precedence over prohibition. And therefore, the Torah says, if you have a conflict between the two, the positive overrides the prohibition, and then you have the best of both worlds. Because when the Torah is telling you to do the mitzvah, you draw down the light, and there's no negative, no, there's no negativity involved. When you sin, when you violate a prohibition, you do scar, you scar, you do damage. But when the Torah tells you to do the mitzvah and override the prohibition, in that case, there's nothing negative that accompanies the mitzvah. So all you have is the positive. What's an example of? Um, yeah, like, like the woolen wool linen, overcoming the woolen oh, linen. Okay. Or a bris, if there's a, there's a, um, a leprosy in, in the bris. And by cutting it, you could, by doing the bris, you have to cut off the leprosy, which is a prohibition, not allowed to do it. But the Torah says you have to do the bris. The positive takes precedence over the prohibition. So from this, we see clearly that the positive is much weightier. Because the whole purpose of creation is that we should accomplish, we should achieve, we should bring Hashem into this world when it comes to tshuva, however, we, f- we find in the b'r'ayza that it's much more difficult to achieve an atonement for violating a prohibition, a sin of commission, than it is for violating a sin of omission, or violating a positive mitzvah. Not because a positive mitzvah is lighter and is not as significant and is not as important. No, on the contrary. It only proves how important the positive mitzvah is. Because a positive mitzvah, the fact that you lost the mitzvah, that shuvah doesn't help. The opportunity, the opportunity that shuvah doesn't help. It's over. It's over. You missed Shema once in your life, it's over. There's no making up for it. Nothing you can do to make up for it. So, shuvah is only for the person. Since you rebelled, how dear Hashem commanded you, your commander in chief commanded you, and you just like, ignore it. So therefore, for that you have to do tshuva, you have to change, you have to say Hashem, okay, now I'm yours, I'm your loyal servant, forgive me, and, and at that moment you're forgiven, and your atonement is complete for yourself. There's no atonement for the mitzvah that you lost; that's that's lost. Nothing you can do. Atonement won't help. Tshuva won't help. Yom Kippur won't help. However, when it comes to prohibition, it's not only that you rebelled; you didn't act. You brought negativity into this world. You brought evil and darkness and, and you, 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 you tore the fabric of creation and the fabric of your soul and you even touched the divine Hashem Himself. For that, for that mess, for that you have to clean up, you have to fix, you have to make up for it. You can't just change inside. You have to do something. So for that you need Yom Kippur as well, the power of Yom Kippur. Depends if it's a more severe sin.
0: Can we say. The tshuva is the same because you violated what Hashem told you. Hashem told you the positive, you violated you do tshuva. Because he told you this and he told you this. So you do the tshuva for what? But because you brought negativity into the world, then you have to add up the Yom Kippur, and if it's a severe one, the parents suffer. But the tshuva, Let's say it's the same for both of them,
1: because you violated what Hashem told you. But you need the teshuva also for the, to achieve an atonement, you also need the, the teshuva. You also need the teshuva to achieve an atonement. The teshuva also helps, not just Yom Kippur, the teshuva also helps to achieve the cleansing. And that's why, that's why he says there are three distinctions. Why the three distinctions? Between the positive, the prohibition, and the severe prohibition. If tshuva goes with all three of them, then seemingly there's only two distinctions. Because the answer is it's a different level of tshuva. It's one thing when you do tshuva, a regular tshuva. But the tshuva that you do on Yom Kippur is a much more powerful tshuva than a regular we know Every Jew on Yom Kippur, you're very inspired. The tshuva you do on Yom Kippur is much deeper than the truva you do on a regular day. And the truva that you do when you're suffering, when it hits home, is also much more profound even than Yom Kippur it's a much deeper tshuva and then tshuva when you do before you die is the ultimate level of tshuva so the tshuva is different it's not the same when you violate a sin of omission so the only damage you haven't really done any damage you didn't do anything yeah. you lost the opportunity but you have damaged yourself like because uh, you, you you rebelled yeah. so all all it takes for you to do teshuvah and to achieve an atonement is to say Hashem I am yours. I'm changing. Now I'm your faithful and loyal servant. Then you're completely forgiven and you're completely atoned for and not to make up for the mitzvah. That's lost. But whatever whatever was wrong here was completely fixed. However, in a case where you do an act of commission and you do damage, the tshuva is not just you're right for the person. Yes, you say, Hashem, from now on, I'm your faithful servant, and I'm going to obey all your commandments, positive or negative. That's fine. But the tshuva, part of the tshuva, has to be that I have to achieve an atonement. I have to clean my mess. Through Yom Kippur. That's right. So, so the tshuva also has to be that I have to do tshuva and I have to, I have to achieve an atonement. So it's it's tshuva together with Yom Kippur. The or tshu- not separate, to, together. Together, together. So much so, let's say he wanted to be technical. If a person, let's say, does the shuvah, he sinned in the summer, and he did shuvah, and now we're waiting for Yom Kippur. And then right before Yom Kippur, he regrets that he regretted. (laughs) 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 He he, he, he doesn't take his shuvah seriously anymore. So if you want to be technical, well, he he did shuvah in August. Yom Kippur came along, put the two together, and he's okay. Yom Kippur took care of the of the cleanse, cleanse the, the damage. Truva on August, he's already like the pie. He's, he's okay, and that's it. It doesn't work that way. It has to be truva together with Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, of course, the truva that you need on Yom Kippur, it's also the truva. The Truma you do on Yom Kippur is on a different level of truva. It's not the same level of truva. It's a It's a much because you need a deeper truva. to do a cleansing. You need a deeper truva. Besides the power of Yom Kippur itself. But the truth is also different. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. That explains why it's three different levels. Why he says there are three different types of atonement. What do you mean three different types of atonement? The truth is the same in all three. No, because even the truth is not the same in all three. It's a different level of truth. You need a deeper truth.
2: Deeper insight or coupled only with deeper action?
1: Uh, they go hand. They go hand in hand. Not
2: with everybody, but they should. <laughs> they
1: go hand in hand.
0: The reason I thought that the first chuva equals in both things because you violate what Hashem told you. What? It doesn't make a difference if this was a positive and this was a negative, because otherwise, that's why I, I you know, I, of course right. I understand what you say that you need to do young people, because you know why? Because otherwise, in the commission, the scene of commission, Hashem can tell you, okay, if you want to do tshuva, only in young people. Why do we need the other one? He can, Hashem can say, uh, I mean, the, the Gemara can say, if you want to atone for, for a sin of commission, you can only atone in Yom Kippur. They don't have to say the origin, the first tshuva. I mean, the, 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 the first uh, tshuva. They can say, only Yom Kippur can atone for you. And if it's a severe one, Yom Kippur plus suffering. So I thought that because it says tshuva, Yom Kippur, then the tshuva equals, is equal in both things. And that's why they tell you then you might, only with Yom Kippur is that. Because otherwise they could have said, no, for commission, only Yom Kippur. you understand what Right,
1: I'm right. Thinking? But it's not Yom Kippur alone. It's Yom Kippur together with tshuva. Now, it's interesting. We'll learn later that the Rebbe says a big chiddush, a big, something very novel. He says, even on a positive mitzvah. When he says, all you need is truva. And the moment you do truva, you're forgiven on the spot. He says, the truva is not. Conventionally, everyone learned you do truva, you sin. So you do truva, I'm going to change this particular sin. I'm not going to sin do this sin anymore. But the Rebbe says, no, that's not truva. Truva means I have to commit. From now on, I won't sin any sin. Not only a positive mitzvah, a prohibition. Because the real question here is am I a soldier of Hashem? I'm not a soldier of Hashem. Is Hashem's commandment binding on me or is it not binding on me? Is it arbitrary? I can just pick and choose. Well, I'm in the mood to do do a mitzvah today. Well, today I'm not in the mood. Forget about it. That's not tshuva. Tshuva means Hashem's word has to be binding. If Hashem commands me, I am ready. I'm here. He made me. It doesn't matter if it's a positive mitzvah. It doesn't matter if it's a prohibition. Not just this mitzvah. How could I rebel against Hashem? The problem is the rebellion. It's not the details. It's the rebellion. How can I rebel against Hashem? If Hashem is my king and I am His lawyers, then I have to obey everything He commands me. It doesn't matter if it's this mitzvah, another mitzvah, positive, negative. So that has to be a... That's that's the minimal level of Teshuvah. Teshuvah has to be that I'm sorry that I rebelled and I am changing. And from now on, you can count on me. Please accept me back as your as your soldier and I will do whatever you command me to do I will do yes so let's say somebody has a problem with 20 missiles and he's not really ready to take on all the missiles so you're saying don't do teshuva for that one missile very good question very practical question you know when the allied troops saved liberated the concentration camps and they met all these Jewish inmates who have been in the concentration camps for years, who were skeletons. And their hearts melted. The American troops, they had no idea. They'd never seen anything like this in their lives. You know what they did? Was food. They gave them, they took out from their pockets their chocolates, candy bars, you know, to, to, to give them sugar, you know. And they gave it to the inmates. And they killed them. They killed them. Because they couldn't handle it. After not eating for three years, you think they can eat a chocolate bar. Mm. They had to to slowly but surely wean them back to their strength. You know, imagine a parent loves a child. There's nothing you won't do for your children. So imagine you take your your one-year-old, one-year-old kid, two-year-old kid and says, you know, let me feed them French cuisine, five-course dinner, only the best. It's a baby. A baby can't handle it. You have to give him baby food. You know, to be a vibrant Jew, to be a whole Jew, is to be a marathon runner. But someone who was a couch potato for 40 years, you know, he'll run around the block, he's already out of breath. <laughs> he's sending him on a 29-mile run. It's not possible. You know, despite what the New Age people tell you, we are limited. Yes, you can jump off the roof if you really want. You can be so dedicated, you're ready to jump off the roof. No matter how hard you try, you cannot jump onto onto the roof from the ground floor. There's no shortcuts. You have to crawl. And then you take baby steps. And then you walk. And then you, you, you jog a little. And then you build up your strength. So the goal is, the goal is, you have to tell the Jew, this, this is the whole... Uh, mitzvah campaign that the Rebbe started, the whole revolution. You have to tell a Jew there are six hundred and thirteen mitzvah, not six hundred and twelve mitzvah. Anyone who tells you that six hundred and twelve mitzvah is lying to you, and is compromised. If it is six hundred and thirteen mitzvah, and they're yours, and every one of them is applicable to you, but you were in a concentration camp for forty. Years, you're a baby the only way to start is do one mitzvah. Light a Shabbat candle. What do you mean light a Shabbat candle? Then I'm going to go into the car on Shabbos with my family, take them out to eat. On Shabbos, has to be a non-kosher restaurant, obviously a Chinese non-kosher yeah. restaurant. I'm being hypocritical. What's the point of lighting a Shabbat candle if I'm going ahead? and No. Light a Shabbat candle. That's genuine. That's your baby step. And once you do one mitzvah, mitzvot are very addictive and there's no cure for this addiction one mitzvah leads to another mitzvah there's no mitzvah anonymous one mitzvah leads to another mitzvah two, one mitzvah leads to two mitzvahs two mitzvahs leads to four mitzvahs through that one Shabbat candle that one time tefillin it turns people's lives around you'll never be the same person you were touched by the divine you'll never be the same so it's, this is part of the shuvah. shuvah is also practical that's an educational parole you can't change overnight Anyone who tries to change overnight, it doesn't last. It's not human. It's not practical. It just can't work. Yeah, the only way is, just you have to judge the situation. You have to know who you're talking to. The Torah is given to real people, to real situations. You can't take a Jew who's been cut off, due to no fault of his own, for 40 years of his life, never did any mitzvah, knew nothing about mitzvah. He's like a baby. And all of a sudden, like a ton of bricks, you're doing all 612. It's not possible. And it won't last. And it's not commendable. Right. You tell a person slow, slowly but surely. One mitzvah. And Hashem doesn't expect anything less.
0: But to his question, it's like, is it's
1: like a, a, a bar mitzvah boy. By Jewish law, when is a bar mitzvah boy obligated to start fulfilling mitzvah? 13? 13. Thirteen. Now the question is when he's 13 years old, how can he suddenly start fulfilling all 613 mitzvot? to fill that day biblically? He doesn't have to do anything. So 13 years of his life he did nothing. And all of a sudden, when the clock strikes, the night, it turns night, he turns 13, all of a sudden he's doing all 613. Is it possible? No. And yet the Torah says, listen, when you're 13, now start learning, start doing it, slowly but surely. This is part of the process, like a convert. In order for someone to convert, he doesn't have to learn all 613 mitzvahs before he converts. Otherwise, it will take you forever to convert. We're Jewish all our life, and we still don't know all 613 mitzvahs. We'll have to wait 50 years before they allow him to convert. No, a convert has to know the general, the, important, the big mitzvah, the general. He has to accept upon himself all 613 mitzvahs. If a convert accepts 612 mitzvahs, it's, it's not a good conversion. It's not worth the paper it's written on. He has to accept the whole Torah. But you teach him the basics. And from the moment he converts and he becomes obligated to fulfill all 613 then he starts learning. And he starts growing. But that's realistic. That's what the Torah expects. Is he violating? What do you mean I have to accept all 613? And it means if I'm not doing all 613, it means I'm no good? No. It's just reality. Once you become obligated, now you start training, now you start learning, and slowly but surely you'll get there. According to the Al-Tarebi's opinion, what is that person's teshuva? How does he express that teshuva with respect to not only the mitzvah that, that, that he breached, but the others that he's having a problem with? Okay. So that we're going to learn later on in the chapter. Very good question. al Rebbe is going to get to the essence. What is the essence of teshuva? And it's quite revolutionary. Al-Tarebi understands the very essence of teshuva, which will... Answer your question very satisfactorily, and uh, we'll get to it in the middle of the chapter. But
0: um, but in the meantime, can you say to Hashem, Hashem, you know, I don't know I have a problem with this. I'm on my way. I'm trying, and you know, there's ways of praying to Hashem except in addition to what's written in the prayer book. So you tell, you tell Hashem, you know, I'm trying. It's, uh, I'm on my way. You know, and, and I'm, I'm this and I'm understand. You know forgive me if I don't do it, be patient with me, and so on, etc. And, and I'm Absolutely. trying my best.
1: Absolutely. And also, also even, though the, even though he says here that shuvah doesn't help to make up for a mitzvah that was absent, that's, every rule has an exception. There's an exception to the rule, including this rule. But the exception is, there is a special type of teshuvah an extraordinary teshuvah that even helps for that. A very deep, a very earth-shattering teshuvah, very profound, unusual, rare, unique type of teshuvah that touches the core and essence of Hashem that could even make up for the mitzvot that you lost. That could even draw down all those mitzvot that you missed. But the Alt-Rebbe here is not discussing it. The Talmud is discussing a regular level of Teshuvah, ordinary, to be expected level of Teshuvah. We're not talking about some once in a million, extraordinary, profound, earth-shattering type of Teshuvah, like the Talmud says at uh, at, the, you know, Baal Shuvah, and he cried until his soul, his soul left his body. You know, we're not talking about um, something unusual. What the Rebbe is talking about here the basic mitzvah of teshuvah, which is talking about an ordinary run of the mill required level of teshuvah. That level of tshuvah does not make up for the mitzvah that you lost, for that lost opportunity. The only thing tshuvah can do is to make up for the fact that you threw off the yoke of heaven, that you were not compelled by God's commandments. Don't forget today, most Jews who did not fulfill Torah or mitzvah, it's because they were like children who were kidnapped. Right. They're completely not at fault. It's not even. It's not even. They sinned unintentionally. They 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 had no information. They were not brought up that way. It's completely not their fault. It's 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 not like they they rebelled or they rejected or they, they just didn't know any better. So no one. That's not what we're discussing. You know, that's not. Uh, that's a whole different. A whole different. A whole different no, story.
2: The Jews,
1: like the Reforming Conservative, that do know the difference. What do they know? Well, the they know even less. Know the, the rabbis know even less. Ignor- ignoramuses. They know. They know nothing. They were also brought up this way. They were brought up in their household. And this was. This was, This was what they. They were brought up. They don't know any better. They don't. know You know, it's. 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 It's, it's a rare. Uh, that person hardly exists today. It's a rare individual who's knowledgeable, who knows, and intentionally denies. There's
2: scholars, there's some of them or mm, they, yeah,
1: the scholars about Western philosophy. They know know more about the New Testament than they know about the I'm talking about someone, you know, reminds me of the story the they say with the previous Libacharabi at the where they tell it that um someone came to the Rebbe and he says, I'm an, I'm an apikyrus, I'm an atheist the Rebbe says did you study Maimonides he says, no, I don't have, I don't have time for that nonsense <laughs> did you study Talmud, nah it's too boring do you know the Tanakh, did you study the 24 books of the Torah, the Bible, he says, nah no, not really, he says, my friend, you're not, a, you're not, a, you're not a, an atheist, not an apikaris. you're an ignoramus yeah. <laughs> you know. That's not, that's not, you're talking about a rare individual who knows, who studied, and intentionally rejected, and intentionally walked away. You know, it's a whole different, that's a whole different, uh, that's a rear breed. That's not, most Jews today don't fit into that category, including the rabbis. They also grew up in these households. They don't know any better. Okay, let's learn a little inside. Second paragraph, this means... This
2: means that though, in terms of fulfillment, a positive commandment is superior, for which reason it supersedes a prohibitive commandment. When positive and negative commands conflict, the positive command takes precedence and overrides the prohibition. For example, the wearing of... made of an admixture of wool and linen Despite the prohibition of kilayim, or or shotness, since observing a positive commandment thus appears to be of more value than observing a prohibition, why do we say that if one transgresses a positive command, repentance alone suffices? Whereas if one transgresses a prohibition, forgiveness cannot be secured by repentance alone. And one, one must await the advent of Yom Kippur? The Rebbe will now address himself to this question. His answer will also enable us to understand the spiritual effects of the performance of a positive command and the spiritual blemish that results from transgressing a negative command. Insight into the mitzvah from the perspective will in turn enable us to understand why a positive command supersedes a negative command, and why it is nevertheless more difficult to attain atonement for transgressing a negative command. Briefly, the answer is as follows. When one performs a positive command, he not only fulfills Hashem's will, but also draws down a flow of divine light into the higher spiritual realm and upon his own soul. The reason, each positive command is likened to a bodily organ. As our sages of blessed memory have said, the 248 organs correspond to the 248 positive commands. This means to say that just as a bodily organ is a receptacle for the life force which it elicits from the soul, so too in each positive commandment a vessel that draws down divine affluence and vitality from the infinite ein Sof light Moreover, just as the life force of the soul is enclosed within the various limbs, so too does the life force drawn through the performance of a positive command become enclosed within the worlds, Fulfilling a negative command by not committing the transgression is also a fulfillment of the divine will. As our sages of blessed memory have said, if one passively refrains all his days from sin, he is rewarded, but only as though he had actively performed a command. However, since such performance does not result from any action on his part, as in the case of a positive command, He merely fulfills Hashem's will by not transgressing. Its result is of a lesser spiritual value. For the purpose of Torah and Mitzvah is to draw down divine illumination through the performance of the 248 positive commands, and to dispel the spirit of impurity through the observance of the 365 prohibitions, as explained early in Part 1, Chapter 37, Part 1. Thus, in a situation where positive and negative precepts clash and the question is which one is to be set aside, the positive command supersedes the negative. For it is impossible that doing the prohibited deed will impart a spirit of impurity inasmuch as its prohibition is being overruled because the Torah so dictates. Conversely, even if the Torah were to direct that one should neglect the positive command, the action that would draw down divine illumination would still be lacking.
1: So, if you're doing the mitzvah, there's no drawbacks. You're drawing down the divine light, but there's no negative negativity because the Torah is telling you to do so. So, in that case, you're not. There's no negative implications. But if you would, if you would um, fulfill the prohibition and not do the mitzvah, you're missing out. You can't draw down the light and. Uh, to be continued. The Rebbe would always remind us that we are a unique generation. There's never been a generation like ours and there never will be. We are the transitional generation, the last generation of Gullus, of exile, and we will be the first generation of Gaula, of redemption. What an awesome privilege we have what a sacred responsibility we carry on our shoulders. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to bring the curtain down on the golas once and for all? Well, Mashiach himself gave the secret away in his famous encounter with the Baal Shem He tells the Baal Shem that when your wellsprings and the teachings of Hasidus will spread to every corner of the world, then and only then will Mashiach come. And therefore the Alter Rebbe sacrificed his life to carry out this directive to the Baal Shemtev by writing and publishing the Tanya. And all the Rebbis sacrificed themselves to publicize and to expound on the teachings of the Tanya. And the Rebbe, the seventh, the Shabbos of all the Rebbes, published over 6,000 Tanyas, literally in every city of the world. And now, for the first time, in history through LessonsInTanya.com. Tanya In Depth is available and accessible 24-6 to hundreds of thousands, Jews as well as non-Jews, in dozens of countries, all around the world. Now that you've had the personal experience and the pleasure to study the Tanya, we ask you to please partner with us to make the entire Tanya Available and easily accessible to each and every Jew and to the entire world. Please help turn the wish of Mashiach, the dream of the Alta Rebbe, and the vision of the Rebbe into a reality. On behalf of all of us here at LessonsInTanya.com, thank you for listening. Thank you for caring, And a special thank you for the good deed that you're about to do. In honor of your tzedakah, we will merit the coming of Mashiach now when we'll learn Tanya from the Alter Rebbe himself.